0: We can do this because we were raised in a way of privilege to some extent. My parents definitely didn't have opinions about things. They went with the flow. They, they didn't have the luxury of chasing a passion. It was about you live, you worked, you provided for your family, and you did the next thing that you needed to do so that your family didn't starve especially if you're from a place that is not affluent right or if if you don't have an affluent background so we do this these things because we were afforded that luxury to do that and part of you know at least in my growth is recognizing that that is a privilege and not to abuse it because you can't just be loud for no reason like if you if you're going to say something it has to it has to mean something
1: You are listening to Concrete Pastures Podcast. I am Nancy Mlemoisisi. Being an immigrant has been one of the most challenging and extraordinary experiences of my life. It inspired me to create a space that allows for myself and others to share our stories as we deconstruct the world's view of immigrant status. We unlock the joys, the laughs, and the bravery that being a dreamer brings. So subscribe and stay a while as we dive into today's episode. I'm so excited to introduce our guest today. I met her on Culture Class Podcast. She actually used to be one of the hosts on the podcast. I'm grateful to Nosa for this introduction. To me, our guest Daziro. She has a beautiful voice. She's a singer, she's a writer, she's a speaker, she's a content creator, and she's impacting our community in a positive way. Her name is Tongwa Akanji echo She was born and raised in Buya, Cameroon. Tongwa moved to the US At the age of 17, she graduated from Prince George Community College, University of Maryland College Park, and American University with her associates, bachelor's and master's degrees, respectively. Through her educational career, her interests focused on communication with a lens on TV broadcasting, writing, and film. In Baltimore City, she hosted a champ TV show, Five Minutes with Gabi, which focused on stories of individuals serving the community positively. She's also written a collaboration of short poems called Muzings about life, love, and growth. She is passionate about God, music, art, and celebrating people working in their God-given purpose. Through her music, speaking engagements, and content, She aspires to continue to impact and impact people with a desire to seek God first. Welcome to Concrete Pastures.
0: Thank you, you so much. I am doing fantastic. It is an honor to be here and I truly also am grateful for NOSA for connecting us because um, I think the work that you're doing with Concrete Pastures is quite commendable and um, you know being in a place that is for most of us, at least when we just come here new, it's a great resource to have. If any, if nothing else, it, it's a good place to go just to have some of your questions answered. So you are doing um, fantastic work and thank you for leaning into that.
1: Thank you so much for that. I'm so grateful, super excited to know about camera. Me too. Yes, Buya. So were you born in Buya or were you born in?
0: Yes, I was born in Boyal. Um, in a little sort of quarter, um, if you could call it in Cameroon, if my Camerooners are listening to me, they're going to be like, what is this accent that you're doing? <laughs> but I was born in a little um, neighborhood called Mile 16 um, in Boya. And that's where I was raised all my life. I never lived anywhere else. Um, I went to school about maybe six hours away from the town that I was born in. Um, I mean, for primary and, you know, nursery primary and boarding school and secondary school. Mm. Um, But yeah, I grew up in Cameroon until I was 17. And then my parents moved us to America.
1: Wow. Yeah. What's your favorite part of being in Cameroon?
0: Oh, See, now I will preface the answer to that question by saying I haven't been back in the 13 years I've been in America. So... My memory of the place is just the community and the joy of living. Now, granted, I was much younger when I grew up there, so what I what I saw, what I thought about the world was vastly different than what I think about the world now. Mm. Um, but if we're talking just favorite things, I want to go back home just so I could eat some authentic Cameroonian food. Like we have a lot of options here. I, I live in Maryland right now, and there are a lot of Cameroonian you know cuisine options, but nothing tastes. As authentic as it would if you're eating it right, you know, back home. And like, the, there's just something about the environment that makes it taste different. <laughs> and I miss that. And as yeah. long ago as it's been since I've been back home, I still remember. Like every time I eat a Cameroonian dish, and like. This tastes good, but I, I know in my heart of hearts that if I was eating this in Cameroon, it would definitely taste a lot better than it does now. Well,
1: come on, uh, make us hungry. What, what yeah. does the Cameroonian <laughs> dish look like?
0: Okay, Fufu and Eru. So, there's, see, there's one of the, that's one of the things about Cameroon. is It's so vastly diverse, and depending on who you're talking to and from what part of Cameroon they are, you will hear a different dish. I am from the English-speaking side. Um, and so the food that I just said, Eru is a, it's a vegetable that you eat with fufu. Anybody that knows if you're African, you know what fufu is. Uh, Uh, yes. So you eat that with fufu. There's achu. Um, and these are all dishes from, um, the first one is from, I think Bayangi, if I'm not mistaken, it's a little tribe in Southwest. Um, and then the other one is from Bamenda, which is the Northwest of the country. Um, where I am from, the things that we eat are a pumpkin. So, the pumpkin leaves. Ooh, we make
1: them ooh I love fried. pumpkin leaves.
0: Yes, it's so good. And we make them crunchy and like put some pepper in. It. Oh, Wait, we you call fry them... yours? Yes.
1: Oh, ours is like steamed.
0: Oh no, we dice it and fry it with um, crayfish, and oh, it's just so good. It's so good. <laughs> and we eat it with fufu too. So that's where a lot of where I'm from. That's one of the staple dishes. Um, but yeah, I miss I miss all those things. Um, A lot of them are also vegetable based. There's another leaf we call Bikang. You know, there's bitter leaf, right? I don't know if you know bitter leaf.
1: We we don't. I guess our bitter leaf is uh, different from you guys. The bitter leaf, I've only heard it with Nigerians. You guys have the bitter leaf also.
0: Yes, we do bitter leaf, and we, is, we is use it the bitter, bitter as it says bitter. Is it is it bitter? But when you cook it, so what happens is when you harvest it from the farm, and then you cook, you boil some water, and then you steep it in there, and you squeeze it out, and wash it, and it, it loses some of that bitter taste. And we use it to make different types of soups and you know vegetable dishes. So uh, we call it bitter leaf, but is when you eat it, it's not actually bitter. But when you just harvest it fresh, it is bitter. Yes.
1: Uh, I'm glad you shared that. Where did you
0: go when you came to America? Where did you guys arrive? Maryland. We landed in Dulles Airport in Virginia. And then we drove, my uncle drove us the, I think it was an hour and a half or hour to his um, apartment, his tiny two bedroom apartment in New Carlton, Maryland at the time. And myself and my mom and my four siblings stayed with my uncle for about six months.
1: What was your culture shock for getting to Maryland? You're in America at your age?
0: Yeah, so I was seventeen. Um, and you know, at seventeen you're like young adults. And so you're you're starting to form your own opinions of the world. Like for the first time, you're doing things because you can think through them and not because your parent told you to do it. Yeah. And when I got here, I remember distinctly How I talk now is not how I talk to my brothers. So everybody watching me, if you catch me talking to my brothers or my husband or people that I relate to every day, I don't sound like this. I have a Cameroonian English accent that is not this. So I remember when I was 17 coming here and thinking, this is an opportunity to sound as American as I possibly can. And now it's a code switch. I have tried to undo it. But I can't now. (laughs) Uh, But I I distinctly remember trying to sound as American as I I could. And part of that was I always wanted to be in journalism. I always wanted to do television and reporting and broadcasting and that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. I think if I'm going to grow up in this market, I need to be marketable. And, you know, as unfortunate or fortunate, depending on who you ask, that this is, you know, you don't find a lot of in mainstream television in America, you don't find a lot of people with heavy accents except it's like a niche show or something really specific. You don't see them in like mainstream media. And I wanted to be mainstream at the time. And so that was a conscious decision I made to try to sound as American as possible. The caveat is I would talk to people who are American and they, I would talk as American as I possibly could sound. And they would say, where are you from? You have an accent. So it didn't work. (laughs) It did not work. But that was one of the biggest ones was, you know, trying to sound as American as I could. Um, I remember distinctly thinking the language is different, how African-Americans talk is different. I-, I didn't understand, not because I didn't, I couldn't comprehend the words. I could comprehend what they were saying. It just, yes. in my mind, having learned British English, it, some of the words just didn't make sense. I'm like, why are you using uh-huh. random words in the middle of a sentence? It didn't make sense to me things like like which i say now and don't even think about it but at the time when someone would talk and say the word like in the middle of a sentence i would be in my mind i would say that doesn't that's wrong english (laughs) it took a while to know okay it's just you know cultural nuances and how people talk and you know just based on um social cues and social context but yeah those were the two big things
1: so um, i'm assuming you went to school here Mm -hmm. how was the experience uh going to school here in Maryland at least
0: Yes so I went when I, when I moved, when we moved um, I started college I started community college because I was 17 which is right at the cusp of graduating high school in mm-hmm. American age um, but I didn't do my last year of high school. Um, I didn't do twelfth grade here, so I didn't go to high school, which I regret. Well, okay, a little bit of me still regrets it because I would have loved to go to a prom just to have the American prom. Oh experience.
1: my goodness! But
0: I, <laughs> I love how you just rolled your eyes, and <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do too now as an adult. I think right? it's but I just- Okay. No, did you go to prom? Yeah. I
1: didn't go to prom.
0: <laughs> I would have loved... I mean, I mean imagine my 17-year-old I, I, self. I
1: did my high school diploma here. I didn't... Okay. Th- there was no prom involved and stuff. It's, Even graduating college, I, I I didn't go to the whole ceremony thing.
0: Oh, I love graduation. We can talk about that. I love graduation, okay? But, um, so that was one of the things. So when I started school, I went directly to community college. And just to do a little plug... One of the things that I'm grateful for is having a community that was able to teach me how to find the best avenues for education. A lot of people, I don't know if they know, but if you want to save some money, do two years in community college and then go to a four year institution because community colleges are way cheaper. And if you do a good job, you oftentimes will not have to pay for school or you know the the government will help support some of your financial aid and all that stuff and then you can transfer those credits to a four-year institution and only have 2 years of student debt if if you you know if you don't have other means to pay for it so doing community college is a good way to cut costs rather than going to a four-year college right off the bat you know right coming out of high school so that's what my parents told me to do because they were advised by other people mind you we moved here all of us at the same time so my mom didn't know any better she was relying on everybody else's experience and that's one of the things that we benefited from at the time um so yeah i did two years of community college and then i transferred to college park maryland where i finished my bachelor's and then i did american university for master's about three years later
1: i'm glad you shared that piece um because i also went to community college trying to save money because i looked at everything especially living in new york i looked at um, the cost of the university i'm like nyu i'm like forget it mm-hmm. any uh college that was uni i'm like we're not gonna go there mm-hmm. I'm, I'm putting myself into college so i saved more even though i paid as this um international student you yeah. are still cheaper than me going to a university because yep. you go two year and uh, I'm grateful that you shared that. Yeah. Um, so you graduated and now are you working as a broadcaster or what are you doing?
0: Okay. That's a good question. Um, so I went to community college. I did public relations and journalism. Mm-hmm. I have an associate's degree. And then I went to, also, by the way, side plug, the added bonus of going to a two-year college is you actually get an associate's degree, which you can't get if you go to um four-year institution, an associate's degree is something that you can actually use to work. So, if yep. you want to do two years of college and get something that you can use as, you know, your credit, your um credibility for whatever career you're in, you can actually use an associate's degree to find work and, you know, just shoot your career out from there. So, I graduated in that, and then I went to College Park and I did broadcast journalism. Um, graduated in 2013, then went to oh, sorry, 2015 then went to American University and studied film. Now, if you know this, there's a thread. All of these are, the common denominator is communications in some form. So I've done some writing, some journalism, some storytelling in film and all the things. And yes, for a while I did work at Charm TV. I was doing um, a television show called Five Moons with Gabby. And we'll talk about that in just a second, but the primary role that I had at Charm TV was as a um, studio production assistant. So I would do, they would tape different shows with the mayor of Baltimore city and, you know, different events that he was hosting press conferences. And I would be behind the camera or I'd be running the lights or I would be running the sound. So I was working as a product, uh, uh, production assistant. And this bit of it came um, right after I graduated from my master's degree. So I went back to Baltimore and I was doing that. But before then I wor- I did like little jobs here. I worked for Verizon at some point doing TV um, inserts like commercial inserts they used to call us oh I forget it's been like 8 years since I did this job we used to do like you know how you watch the NBA game like the NBA finals or whatever sports games yes. and they insert the com- the commercials in between the games like for like a football game or a basketball game Yeah. we were the ones sitting in the studio punching up those ads
1: wow
0: yeah so it was actually quite cool to see and I'm not a sports person but I got a lot of insight of like how the sports world work how like college sports works and all of that um, which I don't know how it's going to serve me but <laughs> it's nice to know Yeah. Um, so no I didn't work as a broadcast journalist I ended up doing like little communication type jobs here and there until I landed at Charm TV and I was there for like six years doing production assistant work and also hosting my own, t- my own um, TV show
1: How hard was it or how easy was it for you to get a job as an African woman? (laughs) Do share, do share.
0: Come and see all the tears. I cry. So, you know, I'm a millennial and we tend to want things now. We
1: love you, millennials. We love you so
0: much. (laughs) want everything to happen right Right now.
1: now. Yep.
0: And I had the shock of my life that... I graduated college and I didn't immediately land my dream job. I I was so sure I was going to be the next, you know, reporter at ABC or some fancy place like that. And it didn't happen. And I applied and applied and it didn't happen. And at some point I said to myself, I'm waiting for people to give me an opportunity and I have to create my own opportunities however whatever that looks like and so fun fact I actually started my very first job out of college was not in anything to do with um broadcasting or any of that stuff it was as a concierge for a concierge agency and I would sit there and greet guests and I would sit in the lobby it was like almost like a receptionist job and that's what I did it made, it gave me joy because I could talk to people and as you can tell I like to talk hey um but It was still communication in some form, so I didn't mind it. And then once that door opened, then I got the Verizon job doing the the ads and the sports and the TV. So I sort of snuck my way into the TV world. But finding a job was hard. I got out of college in in December of 2015. I graduated. My first job, the concierge job, didn't come until probably July that year. And then my first video job didn't come until maybe August or September that year. And then by December of 2016, I got, I started as an intern, actually, with the Baltimore Charm TV, where I was saying I, was, I did production assistant. I started yeah. as an intern, unpaid, didn't have any, I was just doing it because I said to myself, I want to be in TV. If they're going to give me a job, something that has anything to do with any TV station, I would do it for free until something changes and lo and behold i was there for about maybe four or five months and um the public access channel was shifting um they were shifting ownership and so the boss at the time said do you want to run you know the public access channel as in manage all the the scheduling and do all the behind the scenes of programming so i also have a little bit of a background in programming because of that opportunity so i started there and i started getting paid actual money and I was like, oh, OK, this is starting to look up, you know, did that for a long time with in addition to my other video. So I was working like two jobs because, you know, needed to make ends meet and I was supporting my mom and did that for a while. And then after it took like maybe two, three years for things to really start to set. Now I don't work in broadcast anymore. I left Chom TV last year. Was it last year? Oh, 2021. Late 2021. Um, I got into IT and now I do communication still, but in a in the IT world, which is completely different than what I went to school for. But I am applying all of the communication skills that I learned, funny enough, through my, you know, um, community college, all through college and all through my master's degree. So it's kind of coming full circle, but no, I don't do broadcast journalism. I just find other ways to do it, like host podcast shows and talk to you. <laughs>
1: Nice. How was that experience? What was it called? Table five minutes. Abby.
0: Yes, five Let me tell how that came along. The importance of having a mentor, someone who looks out for you in your professional career, is just, I cannot overstate it. Every opportunity that I've gotten, I'm so grateful because I can pinpoint one person who did something for me or recognized something in me that helped me to get what I, you know, what I had at the time and how five minutes with Gabby came up was, um, the boss who gave me the opportunity to do the programming left the company and we got a new boss and then she came in and, um, my direct supervisor whom I'm very close to, I shared with him my dreams of, you know, wanting to be the next Oprah one day and, you know, hosting, you know, just really being in television without the journalism. Because as I got older, I also realized that maybe it worked out for the best because I'm not a news person. I'm a people person. I'm an experienced person. I want to know what people are doing and why they're they're doing them. And I want to talk to people about how they walk in their purpose and in their passion. So news doesn't fit anywhere in there. I'm not the person to get up at 5 a.m. chasing a story. That's just not my vibe, you know? So as I started to realize that, I started to think to myself, okay, what kind of career do I want to have that will help me to do that? And I voiced that to my direct supervisor. And so when this new boss came along, um, he you know, shared that with her and she came up with a show and she said, why don't you host a show? And she gave me a couple of trial runs, trial runs. I did a couple of stories, put the packages together. I film and record and edit all the content for five minutes with Gabby, a lot of it. Um, I had the, the, the channel had some um, cameramen that you know helped do the filming, but a lot of the editing and the sound and all the thing I put together by myself. So I was pretty much like a almost like a one man one woman sure. show. And it was hard. It was exciting. It was um, very revealing. Or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It helped me to really introspect and see what it what it is about my own talent. That I can rely on, and it helped me help me to understand that you can't do everything by yourself. Even though I was trying, I had people that were that I could go to and say, "Okay, look at this thing and tell me if it makes sense." Because I'm seeing it in my head this way, and many times my supervisor, my you know my colleagues at work, they would say, Tongwa, and all of them call me Gabby, which is why my name is Gabby. And we can talk about the name thing in another in yeah. another time, but um. They would look at it and tell me. And so the challenge was really getting up and doing it. That was the challenge. And when you overcome the hurdle of actually doing it, the rest of it sort of always somehow falls into place. At least for me, it did. Because, you know, when I remember when they told me, oh, you're going to host a show, I was super excited. Because, I mean, I was, what, 23, 24? Okay, no probably 26 27 i was gonna have my own show now granted it's not a national television show it's you know a small public channel in all of baltimore city but all of baltimore city it's still, a big deal. it's still a big deal and so i'm thinking to myself like oh my gosh i'm gonna be able to do this you know And i'm excited about it but i'm also in the back of my head like don't take the opportunity from me because i don't do a good job so i sort of psyched myself into doing a good job so that i would stay and i ended up leaving because i wanted to you know i'm starting a family i just got married so other life things made me sort of shift from that but really it was a tough decision it took me about three years to make the decision to leave channel tv and i wasn't getting paid like a lot of money to do it this is a public access channel there's no money in okay i wasn't getting paid any big bucks or anything but I love doing it so much that it took me three years to decide to make a change that would benefit my own life financially and in other ways. And j- just for for losing something that I wasn't getting paid a lot of money to do.
1: I think a lot of times it's not the money. It's what it was giving to you because mm-hmm. you were connecting with the community. Like mm-hmm. you said, you're not out there to chase uh, you know, the news and fi- waking up at 5 a.m. in the morning to chase what the weather is going to look like. Like, <laughs> I asked you before we started, I was like, do you know about the weather tomorrow? You're like, Nancy, please. I do not.
0: Know. I do not
1: know. <laughs> I'm not about that life.
0: The only time I ask Alexa, Alexa, what's the weather, is if I'm going to step out of the house and I need to know whether I should put a big jacket yeah. <laughs>
1: Um. So when you have like a passion like that and you want to continue to connect with people it's very hard to let go do you miss it
0: oh absolutely what absolutely every day i've had since i left charm tv by the way i still work with them um as a contractor so sometimes they'll call me into the studio to do like production assistant work if they're they're short stuff again this is public access like there's not a lot of people there and i miss it dearly i mean i miss doing the show i miss the rigor of getting up in the morning and having to put my makeup on. I didn't have a makeup artist. This is not of high production. I was doing my own makeup. A lot of times my hair was probably, my braids were probably a month old by the time they were like, oh, we got a new episode. So like I'm going on TV with my hair looking all janky. My sister-in-law would tell me, Gabby, you need to get your hair done more often. (laughs) But like, I miss doing all that. I miss logging the camera around after we're done filming because it's a two man crew and you gotta help, you know, pick up all the the cargo. You gotta help break down everything. You gotta help build it up. So I was in it and it it was fun. And it was, it took me to a lot of corners in Baltimore City. I got to learn how to skate. I got to learn how, I I saw a young, probably 17 year old at the time, open her own um, snow cone business. I got to talk to some incredible, I got to talk to the mayor of Baltimore City in a one-on-one interview that I did with him most important person i ever interviewed in my life it's not it's no small feat you know so there's so many really good moments and the day i had the the interview with the mayor was the day after my wedding funny enough Um, like the monday wait you worked after your wedding the day after i got married on saturday and on monday i interviewed the mayor of baltimore city
1: damn girl just saying like you're going to take a week off to enjoy no. the moment
0: no we, we went right I mean it's the mayor and first of all it was hard to get that interview because he's the mayor and so he's busy and so when the time the time came I was like oh yes I'm gonna whatever Lisa. i mean i remember my hair i was beaming in that in that um interview because i just i mean i just got married so yeah. i was already like super excited and he had just won the um elect so he was mayor-elect at the time he was his term hadn't even begun but he had just won the elections and so i just remember being in like a you know really good place and a lot of those interviews i remember just feeling really excited about them and feeling you know, like, oh my gosh, I'm talking to someone who's actually making a difference and enjoys doing what they're doing. And that's really what drives my own passion is seeing other people really lean into their purpose. I think for me, that's what fuels me. It it helps me to think, you know, if someone can dedicate their life and their time and their talent to something specific and work towards making that thing a reality, then so can you. And mine just so happens to be, you know, artistic endeavors, be it speaking or interviewing people or doing music, whatever the art, wherever the art leads. Ooh, that should be on a t-shirt.
1: Being an immigrant can be hard. Having been away from my home country for over 20 years has allowed me to experience these hardships firsthand. Throughout my journey I've had a lot of challenges that were hard to bear. Juggling adjustment to a new country, obtaining my immigration papers, getting married, having children, establishing my career, and finding time for myself. Even though I've always had faith, I also relied on therapy, which gave me the tools to cope with the issues life brought me. My fellow dreamers, let's remove the stigma around therapy and normalize seeking help with today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. Go to betterhelp.com for 10% off your first month of therapy with BetterHelp and get matched with a therapist who will listen and help in as little as 48 hours. What's your favorite story from everything else you covered?
0: I I really, really like the mayor one. Um, My husband's favorite is when I interviewed um, Shalanda Stokes. She, At the time when I interviewed her, and I think she still is, president of uh, Downtown Partnership in Baltimore, which is an initiative to bring businesses downtown Baltimore together and help foster the economy of Baltimore City. Anybody who knows about Baltimore City knows its challenges um you know with, with you know people exiting the the city there's a lot that's going on in Baltimore and so we they have initiatives like these and really um funded by through the mayor's office also and other in that like other avenues that are trying to infuse more business and more community and more um, collaboration, you know, among all people in Baltimore City just to make the city better. So I really enjoyed her conversation. My husband thinks that's the favorite one I did. We sat in swinging chairs, which I, I need to get one in my house, in my apartment. I've been bugging my husband. like I need a swinging chair. What other one? I did one where I was skating. I did. There was so many of them. We did we did like two seasons of five episodes each, I think. Um, so there's a couple of episodes out there. In frankly, I don't remember all of them, but like it, I just remember the feeling of doing those the very first one I did was of this guy that owned a restaurant in downtown in downtown Baltimore called, ooh, I'm going to remember City something I forget, but I remember because it was the first one and I remember all the takes of the, the stand-ups that we did outside of the show, it, there's a lot there's a lot of them, I can't name all of them but they were all really fun to do
1: yeah, no, I, I see the passion in your face. I, I, um, I'm always excited when somebody is doing something that they love to do and it fulfills them because it's, it's the fulfillment that you feel, even though you're helping others, but the fulfilling aspect of it, it's,
0: Absolutely.
1: It, it's no other. Like Absolutely. It, It's just amazing.
0: Yeah.
1: How did you end up on culture class?
0: How did, oh, okay, master's. So I was doing my master's. Um, met NOSA, we were we had the same job, which was, oh, I forgot the title of the job, but it was something to do with student, student advisor. Mm-hmm. So, we'd talk to other potential students to the graduate programs in American University on the phone and try to answer their questions about their applications and all that stuff. So, we were working in the same office. That's how I met him. And... We were having a conversation one day and he had wanted to be in podcast for a long time (laughs) and I thought about it a bit. So long story short, the podcast started with us two and then I went off to do other things and he held the podcast down for you know, pretty much took ownership of it and, and it's his baby and he's held it and it's still going to this day. I popped back up sometime last year to do a couple of episodes when he was in the middle of some things and you know, now it's back to him. So it's It was just an opportunity to have candid conversations about who we are, what we're doing, you know, from all walks of life, all parts of the world, and just give people an opportunity to tell stories that other people can relate to and educate each other at it about our cultures. So that's where the name Culture Class Podcast. We used to call ourselves classmates and call the listeners classmates because, you know, we're all in the same class trying to learn the same things. And oftentimes those things aren't that different
1: definitely is definitely is no because that's why I, um when i was listening to you having a conversation with one of your guests i was like wow I, I, it was it's it's so it was so insightful with what you guys were talking about and it was you guys were talking about broadcasting and how um it is uh, for her i think she was a muslim woman and mm-hmm. you did ask that question so that's why i was like how was it for you yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, it's it's um, it's it's definitely a lot of times until you are put in the position to answer a question like that. I feel like we often go through life sort of taking in the next moment. Yes. And, and you forget to sort of take stock of this moment that you're in. And you asked me this and now I'm thinking, you know, I know the backstory of how we started doing the podcast together. I can't really tell you how it was because in the moment I knew how it was, but now I'm looking back and I'm like, wow, there have been some really great experiences, really great connections with people that we've had just because we sat down and had a conversation. Even the ones that I did with Nosa, I tell Nosa all the time when I talk to him. The first couple of episodes that we did, we were a two-person podcast. Even if we didn't have a guest the arguments that we had about life and how things should be from a male and female perspective were just, at least if you ask me, very entertaining. So, you know, a lot of times um, we, have, we have something to say. Everyone has something to say. You just have to find your avenue and say it. Find your means of communicating that. Um, and while you're at it, appreciate where you are because someone will ask you how it was and you can actually articulate confidently that this is exactly how i was feeling when i was having this conversation or this is at least what i remember um in that moment and it's sort of a beautiful way to look back at your life doing stuff like what we do doing podcasts and stuff you almost are documenting the seasons of your life without really um you're in your mind you're doing it like i'm interviewing other people but to some extent you're documenting yourself too Because then you think about how you respond to things, how you ask people questions, and you look back five years from now and you're like, wow, I didn't even think that I thought that way five years ago. I'm completely different now. So it's it's definitely eye-opening for sure.
1: Look at you, old millennial. Oh, my God. so de- I love what's it. Wait, wait, wait,
0: wait. What's what's the millennial comment about? I, I want to know. No, because you
1: guys are very vocal. So we, we love you, how vocal you are. You're fearless. And it's just, you go get us. You just go for it. For us, exactly. we reserve ourselves. We're like, oh, we can't really say that. But you guys are just like, no, we have to address this. <laughs>
0: it's the bold it's the audacity you know the audacity of being this age I think you know in fairness we have to give it to we can do this because we were raised in a way of privilege to some extent like Mm -hmm. my parents definitely didn't have opinions about things they went with the flow they they didn't have the luxury of chasing a passion it was about you live, you worked, you provided for your family, and you did the next thing that you needed to do so that your family didn't starve, especially if you're from a place that is not affluent, right? or if, yeah. if you don't have an affluent background. So we do this these things because we were afforded that luxury to do that. And part of you know, at least in my growth is recognizing that that is a privilege and not to abuse it because you can't just be loud for no reason. Like if you, if you're going to say something, it has to it has to mean something. It, it baffles me in in today's culture. Frankly, um, there's so many things and opinions and ideas that people are propagating in the con within the context of oh, I can say what I want, I can do what I want that I just don't agree with. And I'm, in my mind, I'm like, you're just privileged, and you don't even realize how much privilege you have. But that's just me.
1: <laughs> no, well said. I, I I agree with you, and uh, also the part of documenting. Um, mm-hmm. I really try to sit into each conversation that I have. Today you are my fourth conversation that I'm having.
0: Wow. How are yeah. you still having like you look like you just put dolled up for me? You don't <laughs> look even a little bit tired. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> That's the beauty of coffee. But aside <laughs> from that, I get a lot of adrenaline from having this uh conversation and I try to sit in in each uh, space that I'm in, like whoever is coming to 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 be with me, they are giving you giving me your time. That's more precious to me than anything in this world. So the fact that you are here and inspiring and pouring into my soul and everybody else, um, that's why when we started, I'm like, listen, I my soul is full and you're about to pour into it. It's about to overflow, and I'm just grateful for that.
0: Um, and people love, by the way, people love to feel like they're adding value. In the line of work that I do now, adding value is a big thing. It is, if you're not adding value, people don't want you around. And yes. in corporate, you have to be adding value. Otherwise, you're out of a job. And so, you know, when you say how, and I see how passionate you are about the conversations that you have and, and how people, you know, add to your day and to your audience's day just by being themselves and sharing who they are and, and what they're about um it's it makes me want to call up all my friends that i know and say hey go be on the concrete pastures podcast because she's great and thank she's gonna make you. me feel like you did the best thing ever you know thank you
1: thank you so much yeah i appreciate that um it's, it, and adding to that today i was like listening to my conversation with nosa Mm-hmm. That he interviewed me, and I was like, "This is good!" Oh my god, he has so much good questions. I'm like, "Oh, great. he's great!"
0: Yeah, that was
1: <laughs> And it just been—I've been, I've been uh, so into the moments, I haven't been—I've uh, been off the grid today. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm trying not to communicate so I can just sit in every moment. So I didn't even reach out to him. I was gonna—I was gonna uh, text him. I'm like, "Yo, we—that was a great." conversation that we had like I listened to it when it came out but today I was uh, I was getting interviewed I was like oh let me listen to how I answered some of the questions so I listened to his specifically and I was like wow that was good that was really
0: good he's intelligent he's got a good head on his shoulders he's very ambitious he's very driven and so you need everybody needs an ambitious friend in the corner like everybody needs somebody in their life that is a go-getter and won't take no for an answer. And, you know, I, you know, in, in in the interest of full disclosure, I had to learn that the hard way working with NOSA because those is like, we're going. We are go- you're coming or you're not coming, we're going, okay? You better pack your bags because we're going. <laughs> and at a time in my life, I needed to step back a little bit. I wasn't quite ready to go. Um, but you do need people in your life that make you um, want to get up and go and do the thing. And a lot of times, you know, for a lot of people, That's the biggest part. The biggest challenge is how do I get up and do it? When you start it, it, trust me, you get the fuel from actually doing the thing. And so you don't stop.
1: Yes, completely true. Mm -hmm. Um, I noticed you're a musician. I am. Do you have music? so
0: (laughs) It's funny you should ask that. So I
1: am... I caught you singing. That's the part. <laughs> when you I came did? on, you were singing.
0: <laughs> oh!
1: Yeah. It's, so it's, it's, and, and I got oh, that no. melody. I was like, wow,
0: okay. Oh, thank you. Um, yes, I do sing. I have a single out called Forever, which I released, like, what, oof, six years ago now? Or four years ago? I don't remember exactly when it was, but it's been a while. Um, I also have another song with um, a dear, dear, dear friend of mine called Tinaya. Or Chanel goes by Naya, um, called Want It All. All of these songs are on YouTube. I don't have my own album or my own sort of um, uh, record, but it's something that I'm hoping that, you know, when God makes the way, we can flourish in that direction. So, yes, I do sing. For now, if you want to hear me singing, go to Instagram. I sing on Instagram all the time.
1: Lovely. What of musician are you? Who do you categorize yourself as?
0: So, I just decided finally that I want to be a gospel inspirational artist. I'm not a pop star. At some point, I wasn't doing music because I thought in order for me to do music, I needed to be a pop star. And you know, pop star lifestyle is different. I'm not, it's not in my personality. I had to come to terms with that. And I'm finally fine with not being a pop star. So I'll do gospel. I'll do inspirational songs, things that uplift people, things that tell true stories about circumstances and things that ultimately make people reflect back on God and who he is and how he's able to move in our everyday in incredible ways. Um, That's the kind of music I want to do. Oh, I love it. You talk about God
1: a lot in your, even in your bio, it's there. What's your definition
0: of God? The Alpha and Omega, the I am, that I am, the creator of the universe, that he's the end all be all. The author of all things. I'm a Christian, and i I try to say that with the conviction of being a a Christian by character and not just in name because a lot of people are Christians. I want to I want to represent a Christ-like character in my everyday. And I'm not saying that to sound, you know, better than anybody else or perfect I am far from perfect if anything being a Christian is a daily reminder that we are trying to attain a level of perfection that we just cannot because we're human it's just impossible to be perfect but recognizing that and being vulnerable in that allows you to look to someone God who is bigger than all of that imperfection and if you put your focus there then you can inch a little bit closer every time And that's really what my goal is, through everything that I do. It's taken me a long time to to come to this. And part of it has been just finding my own faith, which I didn't believe or not until... I mean, I've always been a Christian in that I've always believed in God, the the Christian, you know, God, Jesus, you know, Holy Spirit, all Trinity. Um, But I didn't start to really hone in to build a relationship until maybe two three years ago, and you know, for multiple reasons, I just sort of went with the flow. Like my parents always just took us to church when we were young, and so we just went to church. I never questioned it; it was not nothing that I invested any real thought into until a few years ago. And so, after I started doing that, I've been learning slowly that to be Christ to be a Christian is to be Christ like, and to do that you have to invest time, you have to invest energy, you have to invest resources, whatever you do has to point in that direction in all ways and in all things. So, you know, I'm talking from simple things like how you dress to, um, you know, just how you carry yourself, how you respond to people, how you think through the day of your day. And again, I, I, I really, I feel a little weird saying this because I feel like people are gonna hear this and think, oh. She's goody two
1: shoes and she wants to be. You no, know, no, I, I think this is your space. I talk about God all the time because I wouldn't be in the US of A this long if God didn't come through for me. Everything I am, everything I've um, I've been able to accomplish is because of God. So I love anybody who is not afraid to talk about what they, their beliefs are.
0: Yeah. I, I'm trying to get to that because I used to not be this vocal because I, I used to think, oh, you know, you're too churchy. or you, know, you can start kind of still see a little bit of remnants of that. And I'm nowhere near where I want to be in terms of my relationship. I never had this like aha moment. You know how people have an encounter and, and they always say, oh, when I met God or like, when I gave my life. So, I've never had this moment. <laughs> yeah, I've never had it. I've never had a come. To, exactly. I've never had a come to Jesus moment. But in my everyday little things and how I'm looking at my life. I mean, even just shifting from Charm TV to do the job that I do now, it was an act of faith. I told you, I didn't want to leave. Number one, because I was doing something that I love to do. Number two, because I was comfortable and the idea of doing something that I hadn't done before was just scary, Yeah. right? But I had people around me that I kept hearing it over and over for three years. It took me three years, believe it or not, to make a decision to to quit a job and go find another one. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But again, just little things like that where you see sort of the move of God in subtle ways, even when you're not paying attention. It makes you stop and think that there are forces, God, beyond you controlling even the people who don't believe it, for me is is i look at some people and i just pray i say you know what god when you're ready to reveal yourself you will show them what is what's up like you're gonna make them know like I'm, I'm really in charge you think you are but not really but yeah so just recognizing that and appreciating that is is helping me to at least start to think in that direction and now where i am in my personal faith is just to build and cultivate even a deeper connection because I feel like if I can appreciate what I have so far with the little effort that I've put in to build a relationship then what else is there like what other things can I unlock just by leaning in a little closer and that's really what I'm trying and I'm inquisitive by nature so I want to know I want to know what I want to know where those doors lead to
1: beautiful no because sure. a, a lot of us are ashamed uh, but we are okay with a lot of celebrities talk about god and it's, it's okay for celebrities to talk about god i remember like the a washington speech and mm-hmm. it's a famous speech like everything you hear from me is because of god everything mm-hmm. you're gonna hear me say is because of god and he says that freely and Yes, normal people, regular people. <laughs> if we talk about God, everybody that scatters away. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's almost, yeah. It, and it's unfortunate because we're living in some, and I don't know if we want to go into sort of the depth of what is going on in today's culture. These are some trying times we're living in, okay? So, like, I mean, everything in mainstream culture is pointing you the opposite direction. And literally everything. It yeah. pains me to watch some television shows sometimes because I'm in my mind, I'm like, how is this okay? How are people writing stories that make you think that these things are okay? To, it just, it does not make sense to me. And I'm talking all the things. All, literally, just turn your TV on. And if people dare to say, that's wrong. The Bible says it's wrong. It has always been wrong. It's never going to stop being wrong. I'm, I'm talking about this art that people call music. And uh, That is really, in my mind, devil worshiping. I'm talking about all those things. If you are bold enough to say that is wrong, it'll always be wrong. You need some deliverance. You need somebody to pray for you. You need to go seek some Jesus in your life. Everybody's going to be like, oh, cancel her. Oh, you know, da-da. And... I'm at a point in my life where I can have these conversations with my husband and I have these conversations with my husband all the time. People in my circle, I have these conversations all the time. And I always ask myself a question in the back of my head, if I'm put in the position to answer this question in a TV show, now I feel like I could say yes because nobody knows me. I'm living my little life in my little corner. One day, I'm probably going to be bigger than where I am right now. And so will I have the same boldness to speak on these things? with this level of passion now? And I don't know the answer to that question. I want the answer to that question to be yes, absolutely 100,000% yes, all the time. And that's what I'm, I'm striving for, which is why I like, I feel like the way for me to do that is to build my own faith first so that I have conviction for myself and so that I'm able to, to have a certain level of credibility because I have spent the time to invest in what I truly believe in and not just understanding it from a you know right or wrong perspective, but being able to back it. And somebody that I'm watching a lot um, that sort of is not shy to put these things out there is a pastor called Vlad Savchuk, <laughs> I think that's his name. I watch a lot of his little short clips on Instagram and, and I see people that are not afraid to say overtly, this is wrong. And I wanna be that person when I have a platform like that because those moments will come. I do think that people have to understand that fundamentally there are things that are just not okay to do. It, the world wasn't created like that. Nice. Sorry. I'm surprised at how vocal I've I've gotten in this interview. <laughs> Listen,
1: everybody comes, everybody is, is free. God creates that space for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. You have been able to find yourself in uh in your own way and you've been able to do so much at a young age. And um at this point in your life, do you feel you found your concrete pastures?
0: Do I feel that I found my concrete pastures? I think I have started. I feel like that the we're using concrete right as the reference. We've laid the the cement, right, mm-hmm. and we're starting to sort of pave the pasture, if you will, yes. and so we're not quite there where we're seeing the end of the road yet, but we are starting to it's a it's a vision now. Like you can see the vision. You can see where you're headed. You're not there yet, but you're headed in that direction. That's why I feel like I am. And I only say that because number one, again, it comes back to my faith. I believe strongly that who I'm meant to be has to do with who I'm who I am in Christ, in Jesus Christ. And what that is i don't know yet and i've questioned this for a majority of my young adult and you know early adulthood and now i'm starting to sort of get some answers which is why i'm leaning more into music and some other some of, some of the other things that i'm doing more boldly and more consistently but you know i haven't gotten to that sort of place of aha yet and i'm headed there and that's one reason and number two is we inherently are always changing and evolving what we think in the moment is what we want when you get there, by the time you get there, you already have another destination. If you're really growing and thinking as a human being, you will be looking to other things, right? You will be looking to other ventures, expanding, growing, all the things. So finding concrete pastures to me is an ever-continuous journey. And so we just make one little slab and then step on it and then we'll make the next slab and then step on it and maybe we'll maybe we'll end up somewhere at the end of the day in in what legacy we leave behind but um that's that's really what at least how i think about it
1: oh that's beautiful yeah beautiful what are you working on currently that we can support you on and how can people find you
0: oh that's a good question right now frankly I'm not working on any big projects right now in terms of like music or podcasting or anything like that I do would like to be followed on Instagram because I live my daily life there I make little dinner things I signed up for HelloFresh oh. <laughs> and I was cooking some of the HelloFresh meals and putting How them in it? How is it's actually good surprisingly I got my first box last like, two weeks ago and all three of the meals that came in it are very good. We're very good. Even my husband, who's a picky eater sometimes, approved. So I'm like, okay, it's not bad. It's, it's actually very good. Only thing I would say, HelloFresh, are you listening? Is they could probably make the portions a little bigger. But otherwise, it's very tasty food. Oh,
1: nice. HelloFresh, uh, please listen
0: up. Bigger portions. I know. Yes. Please come pay <laughs> Some um, advertisements money you know <laughs> um but yeah so i do that and then i also sing and music is sort of something that i'm leaning more into at least this year i want to try to so i'm going to be doing a lot of covers of different types of songs on my um instagram channel so if you want to follow up with me a echo is my handle on instagram aka nji um that's how you find me on YouTube. I'm I'm on there as well. Um and Instagram primarily. Facebook and the other things, TikTok, same handle, but I'm not really as active. Instagram and YouTube is really where where I hang out. Mostly Instagram, really.
1: This has been wonderful. It's been amazing. I guess we'll get into Gabriella's name.
0: Uh, maybe part two of this conversation. Part two Who of else?
1: this conversation. <laughs> It's been an honor to have you. I'm so grateful that you stayed late <laughs> to have this conversation with me. So
0: it's yeah. fair. It's only fair since I was late myself. So I do appreciate the time and, um, you know, the opportunity to share who I am and, and what I believe in. And maybe this is going to be a diary record and I'm going to listen to this in five years and hopefully I have even stronger convictions in the same general direction as what I've shared with you today. So it's
1: going to be fun beautiful yeah thank you so much you have a good night and we'll talk soon
0: all right thanks everyone um again you're doing a fantastic job nancy and you know godspeed as you continue to um to share with us and others what how they can find their path in a new place and flourish really so great work thanks Thank you so much. I appreciate you.
1: That's it for this episode. Thank you again for lending us your ears. It's truly an honor to save each and every dreamer. You can continue to support us by liking, sharing, and following us on our social media pages. The links are all in the show notes. We have so many exciting projects and ventures in store for you. Until next time, keep dreaming.